Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You're listening to The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome Podcast. Welcome to episode 36 of The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. You know, I've been mentioning this pod a little more on my daily radio slash TV show, The Jungle. So, some of you may be finding this podcast for the very first time, my so-called side hustle to my side hustle. So, if so, great to have you here. But as I always say, know your room, or in this case, know your pod. This is very different than my daily radio program or my sports pod. This pod is all about personal development and reinvention in myself, in others, and hopefully in you. So if you've been here before or you are a regular listener, thank you very much for coming back. And if you are new to this hood, thank you very much for giving it a shot. Right off the top this week, I want to lead with something that comes up every single week on this podcast. In fact, it comes up every single time I talk to anybody who has ever accomplished anything meaningful in life. I say that without equivocation. It is one of the absolutes of life. What I'm talking about is mindset. This is the epitome of simple but not easy. Simple to grasp, but not easy to execute. In my humble opinion, but in my experience, I have found that those who have extraordinary lives all have an extraordinary mindset. Those who have crappy lives all have crappy mindsets. This is just my experience, my opinion, but I really think that it is that black and white. The quality of your life directly corresponds to the quality of your mindset. I believe this deeply, and it comes up every single week on this podcast. So with that in mind, my guest is a mindset coach and a podcast host, a keynote speaker, and an entrepreneur, Craig Siegel. We could all work on an improved or revamped mindset, myself included. In fact, especially me. But how do you do that? How can you reprogram your mind? How can you rewire your brain? Instead of having your mind control you, you can control your mind, but how do you go about doing that? And how long does it take to do something like that? All these things intrigue me, they should intrigue you, and they're things that we will explore today in episode 36 of The Reinvention Project with guest Craig Siegel, and it's coming at you right now. Craig, it is an absolute pleasure to meet you, and I want to say that for a number of reasons. Number one, because I know you wake up every single morning shot out of a cannon. You are a tremendous source of positive energy. It's something I want to personally tap into, and I wanted my listeners to get a jolt of that adrenaline as well. Thank you very much for doing this. How you living, my man? How are things? Wow. Now, that's an introduction. It's funny because I'm used to being the one giving them, but you do have me wanting to be shot out of a cannon right now. I'm ready to rock. I've been a big fan of yours. I'm excited. Let's do this. Let's do this. Good. I'm glad to hear it. So listen, before we talk about the work that you're doing right now, I want you to go back and I want to talk about how you got here first. You got out of college. You were fired up. You were ready to take on the world and you hit Wall Street. How did you do there and what was life like for you on the street? When I got to Wall Street, Jim, I was looking to find myself. You know, when you're ambitious and you live in New York, there's a good chance that you might end up in finance or on Wall Street, just as I did. 
The good news is, is simultaneously when I ended up on Wall Street, I also discovered personal development. And that's when everything changed for me. I realized that where we are at now is not necessarily a life sentence. We actually can work on ourselves. We could change our mindset. We could change what we associate pain and pleasure to. And so I was fascinated with all that. I utilized that to build my confidence because I like to say I wasn't born with it. And for the audience listening, that, that's huge right there. Confidence is a skill that you can develop. I had a lot of success on Wall Street from a monetary standpoint. Um, but ultimately, what I learned on Wall Street, Jim, is that making money doesn't necessarily equal success. In my personal opinion, success is measured by how happy you are. And so although it was exciting and it was fun, until it wasn't. And it started to become a little bit soul-sucking, honestly. Hmm, interesting. So what happened exactly? What was soul-sucking about it? Why was you were having success, but ultimately, why did you leave? It's just that after a while, I always felt guided. I felt like I was supposed to do something important with my short time here in the world, so to speak. And although making money was fun, and let me be honest, like back then when I was younger out of college, I would seek validation based upon like monetary success, like a nice watch or a nice car or stuff of that nature. Then you grow up and you evolve as a human being. And now like I measure success and I receive validation by contributing, by making an impact, by hopefully your audience will get a ton of tangible gems from this. So at the point when I was on Wall Street, it's just like, you know, there's so much stress involved, especially when it comes to the stock market. Like there's a lot of things that are unpredictable that are out of your control. And it was challenging to maintain a positive attitude when there's just so much unpredictability out there. And ultimately, I just want to make people happy. I just want to help people straight up. And so I stayed on Wall Street for a little bit and I pivoted and I started another business, which was a little bit less stressful, so to speak, but ultimately it didn't light my soul on fire. And then I know we're jumping around a little bit and I'm sure you're going to tap into this, but ultimately the pandemic would provide the opportunity for me to really put the last 15 years together and shape up with what I'm doing now. All right. So Craig, lots of really good stuff in there and you were jumping around, but I was going to get to a lot of that anyway. So let me just stop right there on the pandemic because the pandemic hit so many people right between the eyes and obviously it was so traumatic and catastrophic for so many people in so many ways. I'm curious, what kind of an impact did 2020 have on you? Jim, and you know, I, I used to wonder if saying this is controversial, but I'm just going to be 100% honest and transparent, right? And just keep it real, raw, and authentic. 2020 was a blessing for me because it provided me an opportunity for the first time, really ever, but specifically as a grown man in my adult life, to just take a second pause and, and find myself grounded and, and just reassess. You know, in the beginning of the pandemic, I saw, and I'm sure you did too, I saw a lot of people doing a lot of Netflix and a lot of day drink. And I just said, that's not going to be me. And like I said earlier in the conversation, I had always felt guided. I felt like it was more for me out there. Like I was supposed to do something. And as it turns out, you know, life is not what you achieve. It's who you become. And in that moment, the beginning of the pandemic, I just asked myself a, a tough question. Am I happy? The answer was not even close. And a couple of years back, you know, when I realized I wasn't as happy as I would have liked to been, I had all this built up energy and fuel and I channeled it and I started running a bunch of marathons, which was cool. And we just ran New York City a month ago, fresh out of surgery, but I wasn't looking to become a professional runner. I was always looking for an outlet. I was looking for an arena to be a gladiator in gym. And ultimately when the pandemic happened, 
I just said to myself, what are my gifts? And then what are my passions? And I know you love to talk about gifts because I heard your conversation with a mutual friend of ours, Ed Milet, and everybody has gifts. Make no mistake about it. Everybody is unique and special in their own way. I just took a minute to, to really understand what my gifts were. And hopefully you and your audience agree. It's my ability to communicate, elevate, and inspire, and actually facilitate action. And then when it came down to my passions, that was the simple part, personal development. I'm obsessed with this stuff. This isn't work to me. I love this stuff. Reprogramming the mind, removing limiting beliefs, law of attraction, all that stuff. And so I married those two concepts, my ability to communicate and my love for personal development. And I started my CLS brand a little over a year ago, Cultivate Lasting Symphony, or a play on my initials, Craig Landon Siegel. And the rest, as they say, is history. All right. So once again, lots of really good stuff in there. And I want to get to the mindset because that to me is like the most important thing. I know there are a number of small business owners who are listening, and I also know they are busier than ever before. Time spent searching for and interviewing candidates can take time away from managing and growing a business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs has made it easier to get to the candidates worth interviewing faster, and it is free. I speak from experience. I use it. I love it. Create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 770 million people. You can focus on candidates with the skills and experience that you need. You use screening questions to get your role in front of only the most qualified people. Then use the simple tools on LinkedIn Jobs to quickly filter and prioritize who you would like to interview and hire. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates worth interviewing faster. And did you know that every single week, nearly 40 million job seekers go to LinkedIn? So post your job for free at linkedin.com slash Rome. LinkedIn.com slash Rome to post that job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Craig, let me ask you this. Like when you were going through 2020, obviously you saw, and I love the point that you made that there was a lot of Netflix and a lot of day drinking going on and you didn't feel great. Here's my question. Like, did you go through a period of recalibration or was it more significant? For instance, I think at some point, almost all of us break in some way, whether it's mentally or physically or emotionally or spiritually. I mean, did you bottom out or was it frankly just a pivot and a recalibration? That's a phenomenal question. And I want to take a second and acknowledge you, Jim. You're an unbelievable interviewer and you you challenge me. And I appreciate that. These are the types of conversations that I think are so valuable for the audience because they're different and we really get deep. And that's what it's all about. And, and to answer your question, I was so burned out for a while, even though my, my last business that I had was less stressful, it also didn't do anything for my soul. And so it felt like I was waking up every day and going to a J-O-B, right? And, and that's not how life is supposed to be. And ultimately, it started to lead to different areas in my life. Like I wasn't happy in my relationships. I just didn't love the person I was looking at in the mirror, if I'm being 100% vulnerable and honest with you. And so I don't know if, if I bottomed out, so to speak, but, but ultimately, it was time for me to really make a pivot and really find my purpose in, in this world for the short time that we're here. Uh, and not to sound too spiritual, but I felt really guided. And ultimately, like people look at my brand over the last year and they think it's an overnight success to see this meteoric rise on social media and stuff like that. Uh, but what they don't realize is that I had been shaping Craig Siegel over the last 15 years with the personal development stuff. I just was finally able to identify it and repackage it 
in the beginning of the pandemic and kind of pivoting. It's funny, people ask me like, weren't you scared to start that in a whole new arena with no online experience and stuff like that from a stable job? And the answer is this, Jim. My biggest fear now that I identified some clarity, my biggest fear in the whole world was to not take that shot and to go back and do something that essentially had me miserable and waking up every single day with no purpose, so to speak. And so I don't know if I, if I bottomed out, but it was definitely time to recalibrate and it was definitely time for a pivot. And opportunistically, the pandemic provided that for me because I shut down my office and there was literally nothing to do except reassess. Mm. Yeah, I would imagine your biggest fear, your biggest fear is not going out there and taking that shot. Your biggest fear, Craig Wright, is showing up six months later and realize you are no closer to anything that you really know that you should be doing. That's the biggest fear of all, right? The the inertia that we're not getting there. I want to side just sidebar really quickly because then I want to get to mindset because that's the biggest thing I want to talk to you about. But when you mentioned I want to be a gladiator, I think what people have to understand is you weren't even running a mile and then you ran four marathons in a year. This notion of being a gladiator, a mental gladiator, a physical gladiator, why was it important to you to be a gladiator of sorts and why was it through running? Yeah, another phenomenal question, Jim. It's like in life, I think it's very important to put ourselves in situations where we can test ourselves, right? And like, how is faith really developed? It's developed when you go through challenging pieces of adversity and, and you push through, right? And, and you have resilience and you show signs of grit. Uh, and that's how you build faith. And ultimately in life, for me, I wasn't satisfied doing what I was doing. And I was looking for opportunities to really push myself and, and, and straight up find out what I'm made of. And for me, when I, when I stumbled into running, you know, it, what fascinated me so much is just how mental it really is. And for anyone else out there listening to this specifically, assuming that physically you are able to put one foot in front of the other, Running, in my personal opinion, is 95% mental, just as life is. It's that voice in your head that you have to combat. Like, you either own your mind or your mind owns you, mm. as, as everybody knows. And so when, when I ran my first mile and, and I got into running, I was humbled that I found it so challenging, Jim. But then the, the, that night I came home and I asked myself, was it really that challenging? Because I don't, I worked out my whole life. Like I was into weightlifting and stuff like that. I'm, I'm in pretty good shape. I like to believe. I just didn't do a lot of cardio. So I said to myself, was I really tired or was it my perception of effort based upon a limiting belief in my head? And once I realized that that's what it was, I went ahead and removed that story in my head and I replaced it with a more empowering one. Like, I can run. The very next day I ran two miles. That night I signed up for the New York City Marathon. And then I may or may not have an addictive personality. And that led to four marathons that same year. Hmm, amazing. All right. So I, I jumped in there with that kind of nonverbal <clears throat> because you said it's important to own your mind and not have your mind own you. Look, I mean, Craig, the one reoccurring theme that has run through every single episode that I've done on this podcast and really every conversation I've ever had with somebody that I admire or, or I respect revolves around mindset. And you tell me how you feel about this. This is my own personal opinion. It really is very simple. Those who are living the most extraordinary lives have the most extraordinary mindsets, period, without fail. I think it's that simple. Now, simple, of course, but not easy. The million-dollar question then, if you don't currently have an extraordinary mindset, and most do not, how do you go about revamping the one you currently have? 
That really is, and I'm going to go ahead and say billion dollar question. Right. And I couldn't agree. Agreed. <laughs> Jim, talk about alignment. I, I could not agree with you more because the, the most successful people on the planet are the ones that understand how to block out that interference and see the mindset is the most powerful computer system on the planet, right? Essentially, how it works is this. 75% of our thoughts over the course of the day are negative. Nobody is immune from that. Nobody's exempt. Everybody's thoughts are, for the most part, negative over the course of the day. Now, here's the kicker, right? Thoughts are random. Thinking is not. So now that we become self-aware, right, and we understand that we bring fed an abundance of negative thoughts over the course of the day, now it comes down to this. We have a choice. Do we want to keep those thoughts or do we want to replace them with more empowering, positive, constructive ones? So, for example, we talked about the running. I can't run. I've never been a runner before. I can't run two miles. Okay, that's a belief. Was I born with that belief? No. I must have cultivated over time, whether that be from society, TV, my parents, my environment, whatever the case may be. So going back to the present moment, now that anyone else out there understands that most of their thoughts are negative, now it's on you to go ahead and be strategic, intentional, and deliberate with the positive thoughts that you replace those with. Now that you're implementing positive thoughts instead of negative ones, now those new thoughts provide new positive beliefs. Those new beliefs create new positive habits and behaviors, and those new habits and behaviors create brand new results. So ultimately, at the end of the day, and, and by the way, you said the most successful people are those that understand that have an extraordinary mindset, period. Bang. No questions asked. 100% agree with that. So the bottom line is as follows. You need to be strategic with the thoughts that you allow to roam around and take up real estate in your brain. And those positive thoughts will create new beliefs. And then from that standpoint, it's not what can I do, it's what can't I do. I love that sound. You know what that sound is? That's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. It's a beautiful sound, right? Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big business only, so that way upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can now sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. I mean, believe me, this podcast started out selling office chairs, and today we are selling business solutions, technology, and more, and we are not stopping there because success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. I know this. I love this. Similar to this business right here, Shopify powers over millions of other businesses from first sale to full scale. So you can reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. More than a store, Shopify grows with you. This is possibility, and it's powered by Shopify. I love it. Go to shopify.com slash Rome, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. You have to try this out. Take advantage of this. Grow your business with Shopify right now. Go to shopify.com slash Rome. That's shopify.com slash Rome, R-O-M-E. 
All right, so this is amazing. And I, I thought that maybe this analogy that I was going to hit you with, Craig, might not work. And then you actually got me there because you said the mindset is like the most unbelievable computer system. I was going to ask you, can you do like a clean install on your mind like your laptop? Like will you wipe it clean? Where Can you reprogram and rewire your brain in the way you're saying? And if so, how long does that take? Yeah, to be honest with you, there's a big misconception, Jim, that change takes a very long time. I respectfully disagree. It comes down to, number one, self-awareness, understanding what we just explained, right? That the thoughts that are, that are coming into our mindset are typically going to be negative because they're random, but we have a choice on, on which ones we want to allow to stay. So now once we realize that, and this was the, the aha moment that I had at the same time that I went to Wall Street out of college. When I had gotten there, I was a fish out of water and I really didn't know what I was getting myself into. I was kind of lost in the wilderness with no compass. But when I stumbled upon personal development, it was just what you just said. I started to understand that I can develop confidence on command, right? I can grab attributes from some of the greats out there and mold myself to them. So, and for example, like some of the big athletes out there, like a Tom Brady, right? Or, or someone of that nature. Let's just say anyone else out there that's listening to this conversation and, and you want to cultivate confidence in a heartbeat, but you haven't been confident for the last 30 years, find some role models that you hold in high regard. What are some of the things that they do well and how do they do them? What would be the quality of their thoughts? How do they walk? What kind of swagger do they have and so forth? And then you absorb those traits and you bring them on yourself and then it takes the thinking out of it. So it's no different than when Beyonce is on stage and I believe she goes into a character, Sasha Fierce, and then she's on fire. She comes off the stage and she's back to her normal self. It's the same concept. So you have the ability to make changes instantly, but ultimately you have to be self-aware that these are things that you need to change and you need to buy in. And then it just comes down to commitment and conditioning each and every day. So to land the plane with, you can make big changes in a short amount of time, as long as you have self-awareness and you're willing to do the work. So in other words, once again, simple, but not easy, simple, but not easy. What I'm hearing also, Craig, is like things like modeling, anchoring you talked about how you stumbled upon like personal development while you're on wall street something else that you stumbled upon is something that i think that the listeners may know about but not know exactly what it is neuro linguistic programming or nlp what is that and how does that work yeah so this is a technology right and anybody can have access to it but it's a little complicated to explain but for me what it means is this it enables you the roadmap, so the blueprint to your brain. So you have a choice and you can reprogram your brain and mindset to any way that you like. So for example, you can change what you associate pain and pleasure to. So for somebody that's afraid of heights, right? Or, or afraid of whatever the case may be, afraid of approaching a pretty girl at the bar. That's just a belief that you formed over time, like we discussed earlier. And now by using NLP and the language that you tell yourself, right? Neuro-linguistic programming, you can reprogram how you speak to yourself in regards to that. So for example, being afraid of heights, you develop that, you can now associate pleasure to heights and you could associate pleasure to approaching somebody at the bar. And you could actually associate pain with not approaching someone at the bar because you didn't leave it all out there, so to speak. And ultimately, that's what I started to do. I started to change what I associated pain and pleasure to. So for example, just using like a sales analogy, like on Wall Street, there's a lot of sales calls involved. 
you know, I didn't have that natural confidence. So like nobody wants to be rejected on the other side of the phone. But then I realized that's just a limiting belief. And I started associating pleasure because it meant I was one step closer to a yes, so to speak. And ultimately it was a part of the game. So using NLP, you can literally reprogram and change your map of the world. Bottom line is this. Nobody looks at the world as it is. They look at based upon their map, based upon how they, how they view the world is based upon their environment and what they constructed. And we can go in and change that frame and ultimately change our life by changing our perception. So is it just a decision, right? Is it just a choice? For instance, I, and I talk about this on my radio program, even, I mean, sales, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I did, before I did this, <laughs> dude, this is why I work so hard at this. I've done outside sales. I tried to sell dictation equipment for Harris Lanier back in the day. I tried to tell sell telephone systems for Toshiba back in the day. I'm talking about cold calling, prospecting, crappy neighborhoods. You know what I'm talking about, like the hardest shit ever. And I, and like you, I was extremely motivated. I read Dale Carnegie. I read Tom Hopkins. I read Zig Ziglar. I read everything. And like you, I believed it's not how many no's, it's how many yeses. And every no brings me closer to a yes. I couldn't get there, man. I could not get there. So is it a matter of choice? Do you have to just buy in? I mean, is there really something to this? Can you convince yourself that all those no's brings you closer to a yes and I can change the way I associate pain and pleasure? You absolutely can. And ultimately, I think that you were meant to do something a little bit bigger than that. And I say that respectfully to anyone that does that. You clearly have a ton of gifts and you're making a major impact in this world, Jim. So I want to acknowledge you for that, putting a dent in the universe. And I think that was your path. And ultimately, the universe I appreciate guided you, Matt. That's nice. Thank you very much. But, Absolutely, brother. But, and, but, and but, but to your point, you. though, but, but again, like I, I believe what you're saying, Craig, I, but I couldn't execute it, at least not on that level. Is it this, this, is it a choice? Is it a choice and then a commitment to just apply and follow through? Is this what we're talking about? It, it always comes down to this. How bad do you want it? If you want something bad enough, then you're going to do the, the commitment and the conditioning of putting the work. You can change your perception. But ultimately, you have to buy in, right? If I didn't buy into the fact that I wasn't really tired after running a mile, then I would have succumbed to it. And I would have been able to run those two. And I definitely would have signed up for the marathon. But I was committed to seeing it through it and realizing that I don't believe I was really tired. I believe that was just a, a story in my head that I can replace with a more empowering one. And then I put it to work. Let me ask you this. You you are in great shape, and you look like a guy who has spent a lot of time in the weight room, and you obviously have spent a lot of time doing road work because you can run four marathons in a year. My man, you've got <laughs> like a shit ton of energy, and I, I want to know, what are you running on? Are you wired like that? Did you learn that? Is it what you eat? Is it how you train physically and recover? Like, what is that? Because I would love to tap into some of that. Yeah, so, so, so it's a great question, Jim. And ultimately, everybody always asks me now since I started CLS specifically, like, what are you on, Craig? Like, how are you always so happy and so excited? And I'll tell you exactly. Essentially, I spent 35 years trying to find myself, right? Now that I'm doing exactly what I love to do, like, 
this isn't work to me having this conversation with you. This is amazing. I, I genuinely wake up every single day in a state of gratitude because I love this stuff. I love to help people revamp mindsets, show them that there is a different life out there, help people tap into their magic and potential. And I know this because I spent so much time waking up every day, going to a job and doing something that I did not like, that I cherish every single moment of what I'm doing now. And obviously you could feel the passion in my voice is because I love this stuff. And it's funny because I know a very trendy word these days is boundaries. I don't have boundaries because I don't want boundaries from anything. I genuinely love this. This the CLS of this conversation with you. If I'm on a coaching call or filming a podcast, whatever the case may be, this is my hobby. And also I, the whole irony this is, is when you find what sets your soul on fire, if you're fortunate enough to identify that clarity and do a really good job, as I'm sure you can attest to, the money follows you. So ultimately I'm in just a different state of, of gratitude these days. I'm vibrating on a different level and I'm just in a frequency where in total and utter alignment, I genuinely love this stuff. And even if there's a setback at a particular moment, whereas back in the day, like a couple of years back, it would have been a bad week or a bad day or even a bad month now, it's just a moment in time. And, and then it's continue doing what we're doing and a change of perspective. I genuinely love this stuff. And that's why I'm super passionate, energetic, and grateful. All right. So listen, I, I want to ask you about COS in one second, Craig. I believe you. I believe you. I don't, I don't believe everything I see in here, nor do I think that everybody should, but I believe you. I can hear it. I can see it. I can feel it. Somebody might be listening and say, hey, yeah, great dudes. Good for you. Hey, Rome, they pay you to talk sports. I bet you did find your passion. Hey, Craig, great for you. You found your passion. If somebody listening is thinking, I want this, I want this, I want this in the worst way possible, but I just don't know what is it is, nor where to look for it. How do I find my passion? What do you tell that person? Phenomenal question, Jim. And there's a couple of things you could do. Number one, I've been there. And for the audience, it's like we've all suffered from that at some point. Not everybody grows up and, and realizes that they're going to play for the New York Yankees, right? Or be a Hollywood actor and so forth. Sometimes you have to find yourself. And there are tools that we can use. So for example, like let's identify what are you good at straight up? Like, what do you do really well, better than anybody else? And if you're not even sure of that, let's take it a step further. Let's send a message to five or 10 of the closest people to us in our life, whether it be friends, family, whatever the case would be, and ask them all, what do you think I'm really good at? And then let's collect the data. There's going to be some similarities and so forth. And ultimately, once we can identify what we're really good at, we can kind of combine that on what feels good for us and we could run with that. I like that. Let me ask you this. I'm curious, like in terms of state, elevating your state, I know you want to do that. You want to elevate everybody around you, but you want to elevate your own state first. How, what, like in terms of nutrition, wh how does what you eat and drink impact your state? Is that important to you? Yes, Jim. I thought you'd ever ask, right? And it's funny because I worked out for the last 20 years in, in the gym and you know, I used to love to clang and bang and use the weight room and all that great stuff, but I didn't understand the concept of nutrition. I just wasn't educated about it. And, and maybe I didn't make the effort to get educated, but ultimately a few years back when I got into the marathons, I simultaneously signed up for a meal prep company and I started to understand the science behind eating well, when to eat portion control to make my metabolism work for me as opposed to against me and so forth. And so now I, I don't think I'm very disciplined and super structured. I eat a meal every three hours. I keep my metabolism going. 
and, and also like being in New York City, right? Like if you didn't have a plan and I woke up every day trying to go rogue, like I wouldn't even know where to start, you know? So ultimately for me, being on a meal prep and just getting organized, I, I think is so key for, for number one, obviously you want to look up, but these days more importantly, you want to be mentally fit, right? Not just physically fit. So the, the fuel that you put into your body is essentially everything. And we've all had that like one, like, you go in on a holiday and you eat anything and everything. And the next day you're a little sluggish. You, why do you think that is? Because you didn't put the, the, the good nutrition into your body. And, and not just to be clear, like that's okay for a couple of times a year on holidays and stuff like that. But ultimately you want to be organized and you want to have a game plan when it comes to your nutrition. And once I did that a few years back, number one, physically, I'm in the best shape of my life, but, but mentally, I just feel good, brother. Dude, I think that's everything. I, th- I think that's not, it's not only what it does to you physically, because trust me, as you get older, it gets tougher and tougher to bounce back and your body does not respond. But mentally, d- mentally, emotionally, don't you feel like crap if you make poor des- decisions? Like physically, you're sluggish, but mentally, it beats me down. I fight that. I fight the pantry. I fight those decisions. And I think I feel worse mentally and emotionally than even physically when I put the wrong fuel in my body. Is there something to that as well no doubt jim and to be honest with you like for someone that, that eats very well and i take it that you do as well no the whole psychology no you don't <laughs> not, not as well as i should I, I i make light of that but no no i i could certainly do better and this is why i'm fascinated by this and the kind yeah. of fuel that you're running on i'm sorry finish that thought well, that's okay. Hopefully I could support you with yes. that in, in regards to what I'm about to say. So just being on a meal prep takes away the thinking. So I, I think that's a great start for you. And I have a great company if you're interested, but ultimately the whole psychology behind a cheat meal, for those of you that eat well, like why do they say have a cheat meal, right? It's because not only are you putting excess calories into your body that you're not really consuming for the days that you're disciplined, but from a mental and emotional, spiritual standpoint, you eat like crap for one day or for a couple of meals, whatever the case would be, and it makes you mad because just attesting to what you just said, right? You, you feel bad the next day. This Besides feeling physically sluggish, mentally you do. So you do that once a week, you feel bad about it, and then it makes you want to get back on track for the next six days. So I think from the psychology standpoint, a cheat meal is, is, is there for a reason and it's good for you because you don't want to feel like that after you get off course. This way it keeps you on track. Yeah, but Craig, you know what I'm hearing? I'm hearing cheat meal, not cheat day. That's the that's the key, right? It's not okay to wake up and say, oh, today is my cheat day. I'm going to eat whatever the hell I want. You're making this clear cheat meal. And then how often is a cheat meal okay? Or how often will you have a cheat meal? Look, for me personally, I'm not a professional bodybuilder right now. I'm not currently training for a marathon. So for me, you know, Sunday nights, I I like to have a nice cheeseburger, some sweet potato fries, no big deal and enjoy that. Uh, And it is what it is. But but ultimately, you nailed it. You cannot wake up. You can't be great for six days and then go buck wild on that seventh day and expect to resume and, and stay in tip top condition both mentally and physically. So the psychology behind a cheat meal is just that. It's a cheat meal. Get rid of it, hop back on track, uh, and stay on fire for the next week, so to speak. But if you if you go nuts, right, if you exploit that and you take it for granted and you take advantage of that, uh, it's going to set you back. And that's not the point of it. So to be clear, you're absolutely right. A cheat meal, preferably, 
not a cheat day. No, I think you're right, Greg. I think, for instance, as an example, I think that if you have one really bad day or maybe you give yourself a cheat weekend, you could undo and get back all the positive work you've done. I know I can. I could literally go five days and be straight and do the right thing. I could give it all back in a day or two days. Tell me really quickly, what is the meal company you're talking about? The meal company that I use is Nutrition Solutions. They're phenomenal. Um and ultimately very reliable. And the good thing about them, Jim, is, you know, when you're eating a meal prep, there's a, a misconception that's usually just like chicken and, and broccoli, whatever the case would be. But the good thing about them is they keep it exciting and interesting. It's usually always a different meal. So for me, that's good. Good. Craig. So what exactly is CLS? Yeah. So what, what, when I had that moment in the beginning of the pandemic, right. And I realized that I was going to make a major pivot. I was going to reinvent myself. Uh, and redirect the course of my life. Ultimately, you know, I was thinking of myself as a brand. If we're going to make a major impact on this world, let's think of a brand. And, and let me just be honest with you. I'm a strange cat. Like, I'm weird. <laughs> How so? Dude, I, I love that. I love that. How so? So I always had a thing for the word sympathy, right? Symphony. So for me, like, when I think of symphony, I think of an orchestra all playing in tempo, like all on fire at the same time. Uh, and it always just stuck out to me for some reason. And I had that word in my head. Um, and I remember when I thought of this idea and I put together the whole mission statement on, on what CLS is going to look like. Ultimately, uh, you can't hit a target that you can't see. So when I was putting this together, it looked, you're going to think, you might as well think big, right? So it looked a little bit like Tony Robbins or maybe the Apple of personal development, the market leader, but even bigger. And this isn't an ego thing for Craig Siegel. This was just to be able to make the biggest impact possible. And, and so I like that word, symphony. And, and then ultimately the very next day on a run in Central Park, it just came to me, cultivate lasting symphony. Because for me, it wasn't like temporary inspiration, right? Where you watch a Rocky movie, you get pumped up, you go to the gym for two weeks, and then you're done. I wanted to create something that lasted forever, where you can actually reinvent yourself and revamp your mindset. So I love those words together, Cultivate Lasting Symphony. And also, may or may not be a play on my initials, Craig Landon Siegel. That very day in Central Park on that run, pulled over, I bought the domain, uh, and the rest is history, Jim. I like that. I like that so much. So really quickly, before you go, Craig, like one of the things that I think is really important that we can ask ourselves, like, and I do this constantly, and I don't always have the answer. Sometimes it feels like it's a lot more apparent to me than other times. And that question is, what is your separation? How are you different? How are you uncommon? And I think if we're being really real with ourselves, and I mean all of us, you know, maybe we're not that uncommon at all, and we've got to find a way to be so. So let me ask you, like, what is your separation? And then as a follow-up, how do the rest of us go about creating separation? Yeah, it's a phenomenal question again, Jim. And I got to acknowledge you. I don't give you a lot of love. You just you challenge me with these questions. And the best part is, is the, the way you ask these questions, it leads to unbelievable priceless dialogue, which essentially is most valuable for the audience. And that's what it's all about. And, and what separates me is the fact that I've done this before. You know, I've had a tremendous amount of success on Wall Street. I've run a bunch of marathons after not being able to run, so to speak. And so I'm someone that's had success in other arenas. And so when I stepped into this new arena, the CLS is online space, so to speak, it wasn't just coming from nothing. It's like, there's a lot of people on social media um, where they're standing next to a Ferrari or, or a fake Rolex on. And, and the truth of the matter is, is that they still might live in their parents' basement, whatever the case may be. There's a lot of fluff out there. 
but you could snip out the fluff. And so ultimately, when you're working with someone that's trying to get you on fire to elevate your state, to elevate your performance in life, because essentially that's what I do, right? I'm a performance coach. Is you want someone that's been in the trenches, that's had success, right? That has proof of concept, that's done things, that's walked the walk, so to speak. And you take all that with my experiences, and then you combine that with, with the what I believe is the unparalleled energy. Uh, there's just something magical about it. And ultimately, you know, the big, the, my favorite thing to do, and ultimately my mission is to leave every single encounter that I have, whether it's this conversation, a coaching call, a keynote speaking engagement, or a conversation with the doorman downstairs in my building. I want that person or that audience to be absolutely elevated. That when I spoke to them, they immediately went from a seven to a nine or from an eight to a 15, whatever the case may be. I think energy is huge because it shows enthusiasm and it shows passion. So you combine that with my life experiences and the passion and the energy. And I think that's what separates me. And also between me and you, like what I realized over the last year is the weirder and stranger I am, the more authentic I am, the bigger the connection is with the audience. And this might surprise you, but I used to be an introvert. So stepping into this space and really owning it and trying new things and essentially just being as me as I can possibly be, ironically enough, it creates more of a connection with the audience. Now, for the follow-up question, how can the audience do this? Like, like if you guys want to make a, a redirection or reinvent yourself, first of all, you have to want it, right? You, you, you have to realize that you're sick and tired of being sick and tired if it is something that you want to change. If you want to become unstuck, you have to have that burning desire. There has to be some sort of maniacal drive. And, and then I would surround yourself with people that are doing it and find a support system. And obviously, there's always strategies, right? Like a little over a year ago, I didn't have any experience in the online space, but I was obsessed with it. I was obsessed with making it work so that I create the biggest impact possible. And I think if you want something bad enough and you're willing to commit, there's absolutely nothing that could stop you. I think you're right. I think you have to be obsessed. You have to be obsessed. And if you're not obsessed, you have to get obsessed with being obsessed with getting better. So that, that's a great point. What you just The point that you made about I knew I needed to improve my online game, but I really did not know that much about it. So what was your process for learning? Yeah. So, so simply put, I just, I wasn't afraid to be a beginner, Jim. And, and I think that's key for anyone listening to this podcast right now, right? the reinvention project. If you want to reinvent yourself and do something big, epic, grand, legendary, put a dent in the universe, make an impact, then you're going to have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And for me, the online space I didn't know anything about it. I had 300 Instagram followers a little over a year ago. Uh, I didn't know it. I didn't have any connections or anything, but I did know this. I knew that in order to get to where I want to take this thing, I have to put myself out there. I have to be that gladiator and step into the arena. And it might not always be pretty, but you have to show up, right? Show up messy if you have to, but just show up. And I kept showing up and I surrounded myself with great people like our mutual friend Ed Milad and Rob Deerdeck and so forth and Dave Meltzer and you having this conversation. And ultimately it started to catch fire. But at the end of the day, None of that would have mattered if I didn't show up and provide value. If when I spoke or, or I put out some content or I had a membership call or a coaching call, if I wasn't able to actually facilitate growth and help people, then all this would have went for nothing. So each and every single day, show up, become obsessed with being obsessed, surround yourself with people that are doing it. That's the ultimate trick, right? It is to surround yourself with mentorship and support system. So you don't have to go through all that thing. So you kind of cut, I don't want to say cut the line, but you don't have to pay all those dummy taxes. So find people that have been in the arena, 
right? That have done it and so forth. Surround yourself with them. And then ultimately, don't be afraid to show up. That's the only way you're going to get to where you are destined to go is if you show up mess, if you have to, but just show up. My man, I'm trying to let you go. I really am. But you keep saying really interesting things that I really want to follow up on. See, the, the reason that I think that, and I appreciate you saying to me, like, that's a good question. That's a good question. Like, I, I am really deeply interested. You know, I'm older than you. I've done this. I've had a good run. I'm in the Radio Hall of Fame. But I mean this sincerely. Like, I'm not doing this to get rich because, by the way, we don't get rich hosting these podcasts. I get something that's priceless out of it. I get conversations and relationships like this, but I am really interested. So I say that because I'm trying to let you go, but you keep saying really interesting things that I really want to know more about. I want to ask you this. When we talk about being in the Coliseum. When we talk about being in the arena, we're talking about the Coliseum of life, the arena of life. That's what you mean, right? By being a gladiator, get into the bleeping game, right? Compete and battle no matter how you feel, but put yourself in that Coliseum. Is that not what we're talking about? That's what we're talking about, Jim. And in regards to not letting me go, you'll never lose me. This is just the beginning of the friendship. You could take that to the bank. Yeah, nice. I like like that. Yeah. In regards to the Coliseum and the arena, it's the arena and the Coliseum of life, right? So for example, the marathon circuit, that was just an analogy. For me, the marathons was a particular arena in this thing called life. And I utilized it and I channeled a bunch of energy and passion. And I got good at running marathons. In fact, we just ran New York City a month ago, right out of surgery. And and that's another story in itself. I wanted to ask you, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, I wanted you to know that I did not forget early in this conversation, you just kind of mentioned in passing surgery. What kind of surgery? If I can ask... Yeah, I was at a big speaking engagement, and we we're playing football on the beach with the boys. Oh no! Um, I know, They're like never a Robert good. Edwards thing. Yeah. So, so ultimately, uh, I caught a nice little touchdown pass. Came down on my foot. I thought it was broken. Uh, I came home, and the doctor said I had a sprained ligament. It was absolutely misdiagnosed. I, I went with my intuition, and I facilitated an MRI. Uh, and I get a call the next week, and they're like, oh, "Craig, can you please come in?" And I'm like, actually, I can't. You know, I got a lot on my plate today. Just hit me with it. Is it torn? They put me in a boot. Uh, And they're like, no, actually, the ligament looks good. But we found a tumor on the bottom of your foot. Oh, man. Tumor shook me up, Jim. You know, no one wants to hear that word. And I definitely wasn't expecting that. So I allowed myself a few hours of a pity party. The very next day, it was strategy and tactics. Uh, I saw three of the best doctors, from what I believe, in Manhattan, in regards to tumors and the foot. Ultimately, I made my decision. I had the surgery. I got the tumor taken out. It came back benign. Thank God. Right. Um, but then I was on crutches and, and had all the stitches and all that. Uh, but the cool part about this story is ultimately, I had a, an opportunity to get to the start line of the New York City Marathon just two months after the surgery. Wow. Um, but I wasn't just going to be able to do it, Jim, because I didn't have the physical training. I was going to do it if it was for a bigger reason. And I did it to inspire my dad, who's currently battling cancer, which sucks. Um, but ultimately, I wanted to lift up his spirits and inspire him. And also, I was going to do it for a good cause. So I ran and raised money for the charity, American Cancer Society. And it was at this time. And, and again, I got to come back for a sequel because it's a whole other conversation. But I really started diving into the quantum and the universal laws and the power of intention and all that stuff. Because I didn't have the, the physical capacity to go out there. I was on crutches. 
So I really started diving into all this stuff in the quantum. You are no one, nowhere, nothing. You have the ability to rewrite your code and what's possible for you. And that's some pretty deep stuff. But ultimately, I was off the crutches and I had an opportunity to get to the start line. Uh, and we ran the marathon and we did a PR, which is a personal record. I ran a 339, which was the fastest I ever ran in my life. But ultimately, although that story arc completed from the tumor diagnosis to the marathon finish, the real journey of life now begins because with all this quantum and this universal and the law of attraction and understanding that we're just a soul and a spirit having a human experience and all that stuff. Now the real journey of life begins. This is an amazing response. You know, I'm really sorry to hear about your father. I did not know that. I would share with you, my father had leukemia, Craig, and he passed away in the early 90s, and he was diagnosed at age 50 and didn't, and this, I don't know how about your family. Well, I mean, obviously we know because you shared that. Back in the day, my parents owned a small business. They were manufacturers, and they pulled my sister and I aside and said, we're not telling anybody. We're not telling our parents. We're not telling our family. We're not telling anybody. We have a business to run. And my father was a tough Boston guy, and he just didn't want the attention. He didn't want a pity party, and he never complained, and he never said, why me? And the medicine is not... It wasn't then what it is now. So he literally lived with this for about a decade and went to work and ran the company every single day until it got worse and worse and got into his brain and ultimately passed away. And this is like you and I could talk about this for hours. Here's a guy who passed away at 59 and was very content and very much at peace and said, I achieved so much more in my life than I ever thought that I would. I'm good. I'm good. And I would say, Dad, how are you good? You're 59. You're terminally ill. He's like, oh, no, I'm good. I'm good, and I could talk about this for hours. My question for you, I think there's a lot. Craig, we all know somebody who has cancer, or we know somebody who knew somebody who had it. We're all dealing with it. How are you and your family processing it? What's it like? Yeah, another phenomenal question. And your dad is so proud of what you're up to today, Jim. I just want to say that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I appreciate everything that you do and the work that you put in. In regards to the cancer, look, there's nothing good about cancer. Like, let's not sugarcoat it. Cancer sucks. It is what it is. The thing that I can control is keeping my dad positive and in elevated spirits and keeping him optimistic. And some of the things that keep him really excited about what the stuff that I'm doing now. And by the way, he's a huge fan of yours. So I can't wait to tell him that I was on your show. I love that. That's great. I love that. And also we have a very close family. So I have an older brother, Mark, um, and he has a son that's just under two. And so my father has a grandkid that's exciting. And, you know, he lives for this stuff and and every day I make sure I talk to him and I keep him excited and enthusiastic and look like it's difficult, you know, because my dad, when I first speak to him over the course of a day, he's usually down, right? He's usually not having so much fun, especially right after treatment. You know how that goes right? Um, for the next week, you know, you don't want to do anything. So it is what it is, but no victim mentality, similar to your dad. Uh, my dad is a real soldier and he pushes through and I just make sure I speak to him every single day and keep his spirits elevated, keep him excited, focus on things that he can be grateful for, like another day, another conversation. And ultimately he's doing good. He's, do- he's doing as good as he possibly can be. He's going through the treatment and, and to touch upon what you said earlier, you know, they have some pretty impressive uh, medicines these days and treatments and 
so forth. And, you know, he's doing the best he can. It's no fun, but something that I can do, and that's my responsibility, is to make sure that I keep him positive as best as I can each and every single day. You're an awesome son and an awesome dude. Let me ask you really quickly before I direct them and we wrap this up and direct them to where they can find out more information. You know, all this stuff that you studied, and of course, it's over the course of 15 years. I mean, you have consumed a lot of things. I mean, I feel like you are what you eat, but more importantly now, Craig, you are what you consume. We're feeding our minds as well. Like if somebody wants to start to learn and improve and evolve and get better, what would you direct them to? What should they read? What should they see? What should they consume? Where do you start? So, so the first thing, and it's a phenomenal question again, right? So you have to learn how to learn. Hmm. So for me, like I wasn't that interested in school because they didn't teach personal development. They just taught a curriculum. And, and maybe I have to take some accountability for that. Maybe I should have been more interested. But the truth of the matter is, is that stuff just didn't interest me. What interests me is personal development. The fact that, like I said earlier, like where we are now is not an indication of where we can be or who we can become. So in regards to self-help and personal development, obviously listening to Jim's podcast would be a great start or any of my content. But ultimately, you want to read books on the power of positivity, the law of attraction how to reframe your mindset, whereas most people ultimately have those negative thoughts. Now we understand that by being self-aware, we can become in control. We could start to replace those. So I would start with books like The Power of Positivity. I'm a really big fan of The Secret, which is all about the law of attraction. I've become great friends with a lot of the guys from that cast and so forth. And ultimately books like that. And also The Power of Intention, an oldie but a goodie, a classic by Wayne Dyer and Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Just consuming as much positive content as you possibly can is going to get you there. But here's the kicker, right? Just like being physically fit, if you work out all the time, but then you take a month off and don't eat well, you're not going to maintain, unless you, you, know, you have unbelievable genetics, you're not going to maintain that, that perfect physique you have to stay physically fit right so when it comes to mentally fit it's no different in fact it's even more necessary and more important so each and every single day i would highly suggest having a non-negotiable of everybody waking up and doing some sort of personal development whether it's listening to an audiobook reading or journaling or listening to a podcast like this whatever the case may be but constantly feeding your mind with positivity and so forth 100 love the analogy because after all the mind is the most important important muscle and we know like any other muscle if you do not work it out it will atrophy uh, napoleon hill that, that was the first book i ever read in self-development because it's such a classic i remember reading that in college and let's just say college was not yesterday for me Craig, what, what an amazing <laughs> amazing conversation if people want more information about cls or they want to study with you personally because you do coach and you work with individuals and you work with businesses if they want to get closer to you or learn more about some of the services you provide what is the best way for them to do so Come say hello on Instagram at Craig Siegel underscore CLS. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, the record setting, the CLS experience. And oh, by the way, we're going to get you on there too, Jim. You could check out the website, cultivatelastingsymphony.com. Uh, we have all the ways how to work with me, the, the membership, the coaching, the masterminds, all that. Uh, and to join our daily texting community of inspiration, totally free. Text the number 917-634-3796. Oh, and we just started a brand new CLS book club where we're all reading an inspirational book. Um, and we're going to get the authors in there once a month to talk about it as well. And that's really cool. Totally free. But ultimately, just come say hang out. Say hello on Instagram. Uh, uh, 
don't be shy and ultimately just be around the positive energy it's just good stuff and ultimately like we said earlier in the conversation we just want everybody to win and it's contagious jim Hey, listen, it's you are who you roll with and you want to be a part of a positive community. And this is an absolutely awesome community. Craig, bottom line is I would like to make my dent as well. But selfishly, the reason that I do this, not the reason, but one of the reasons is so I can have conversations like this because I do want to improve and I do want to evolve and I want to meet people like you. What a tremendous, tremendous conversation. My man, I appreciate your time. I know you are a very, very busy individual, but I am uplifted. I'm energized and I know my listeners are too craig i appreciate you very much and i hope that you and i can continue this and have more conversations like this and i would be honored to be on your podcast as well so thank you very much consider it don thank you so much for having me jim and the best part is like you just said it's just the beginning of the friendship brother thank you so much my thanks to craig siegel i thought that he and that were absolutely tremendous never mind reinvention I could probably just rename this podcast Mindset Transformation, and then the rest of the reinvention or personal resurrection would take care of itself. This is how critical it is to get control of your thoughts and the narrative that's on loop in your brain. Control your thoughts so they don't control you. I mean, that is the biggest question, right? Who has control of your mind? You or someone or something else? Are you going to take responsibility for your thoughts and keep and nurture the ones that serve you and then get rid of the ones that don't? Or are you going to get trapped in living in the past and constantly go back to things that didn't work out or even things that were once great but are no longer? Newsflash, no matter how good or how bad something was, you can never go back. You simply cannot go back. So because you can't go back, you either have to embrace it or reframe it. Because you can't go back. You have to always move forward. Never back, always forward. Never back, always forward. Mindset then, the most important thing in the world. Let me take it one step further. And I want to quote from one of the best books I've ever read. It's a book I've mentioned before on this podcast. Jocko Willink's Discipline Equals Freedom. I can't stress enough how valuable I think this book is. Jocko does not write about mindset. He writes instead about mind control. He essentially says, you just make the decision. Quote, you have to decide that you are going to be in control, that you are going to do what you want to do. Weakness doesn't get a vote. Laziness doesn't get a vote. Sadness doesn't get a vote. Frustration doesn't get a vote. Negativity doesn't get a vote. You are declaring martial law on your mind, mind control. End of quote. Absolutely nailed it. I love that. Again, again, I really believe this. The most fulfilled people that I know, the people who are living the most productive, extraordinary lives, people like Jocko, Craig Siegel, people you know, people maybe you don't even know, anonymous people, but the people who are living the most fulfilled lives have figured this out. Elite mindset equals an elite life. Whatever that may mean. I'm not even talking about mansions and jets and cars. I'm talking about fulfillment. I'm talking about happiness, tranquility. The quality of your experience, the quality of your life is directly correlated to the quality of your mindset and your thoughts. So stop leaving it to chance. Stop waiting for your ship to just blow in. Stop waiting to win the lottery. Do the hard work. 
Do the actual work on yourself and on your mind. Lottery, you're actually already holding a lottery ticket and you don't even know it. You're alive, you're healthy, you have energy. So do the work. You can transform your mindset and consequently your life, but only if you do that work. No hack, no shortcut, no magic pill, no injection. Do the freaking work. Hope you enjoyed today's app. If you have not already done so, please be sure to leave a review, share it with somebody who you think might benefit from it, and as always, thank you very, very much for listening. Have a tremendous week, and I will catch you all next time right here on The Reinvention Project with Jim Rome. the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.